So uh, everybody say what our motto is. What is it? Continually better. It's the motto here at Covenant Church. Um, and so this whole series is going to address real, everybody say real, raw, raw. issues um, that stand in the way of us getting continually better. So I wrote, as I was writing my notes, I'm going to read it to you right here because this is my heart. So my desire is for this series to target real struggles in your pursuit of continually better. And uh, once again, this series is going to be a series to believers. All right, so this is to those who claim to be following Jesus Christ. I wish I could tell you that once you give your heart to Jesus, Everything is smooth sailing, but if I did that, I'd be lying. How many of, our, of you are a testimony to say, it, it is not easy. This, this road of following Jesus is not easy. So here's my goal. I wrote them down. My goal is to touch the very heart of your particular issue in your life, Okay. I talked to my cousin Nikki today, um, and for the, those of you that don't know, she doesn't practice, but um, she is a, or was, I don't know if she kept her license, was a licensed um, masseuse, massage therapist. I told her, I said, I'd like to, she, she still knew how to like tell me these answers today for the questions I had, and I was like, hmm, now I need you to prove to me that you still have the touch, because you're telling me you still got the knowledge, but I'm questioning until you show me, I don't know if you still got the touch. She said, oh, I got it. So we're going to see if she'll ever, if she'll prove it to me. So this, um, this series is going to be what the massage therapists call a trigger point massage. This series is going to be like where we find that knot. If it, this is what I hope for it to be. Because everybody, is everybody a believer? Raise your hand if you're a believer in, in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for us. Okay. So. This series is intended to, like, find that knot and be like, oh, yeah, that thing is hard. And like this, we're going to get this out of the way because this right here is keeping you from being continually better. So holler and breathe and scream, but I'm not coming off of it until it's dissolved. <laughs> so that's the goal of, of this um, that's the goal of this series. We want to identify that hardened knot, um, and hopefully in this series you'll say yikes a few times, and, and um, then you'll let God work on it. All right, so everybody say, work on me, Lord. Um, because one thing that I have noticed is there are certain things that camp out in church people. There are certain things that camp out in church people, and they are so used to church people that they're like immune. They're immune, and the presence of God can be moving in a church, and it can be a, a church of revival. And by, by George, if there are not a few things that absolutely are just resistant, resilient, and 
and able to camp out in the life of a believer. Now, there are some things that cannot camp out in the life of a believer, and that's usually what churches talk about, those things that just have to go pretty quick. But this series is going to be about those things that have been staying all 40 years of you sitting on the church pew. Okay, so that's, that's where we're going. Everybody want to know the um, title to this series? If Jaron was up there, I'd have him give us a drum roll. All right, so the title of this series is It's a Battle. It's a battle, and I think we're going to have a lot of fun over the next however many weeks. So this series, I believe the Lord gave me this series, It's a Battle. Why? Because the struggle is real. Look over to your friend and say, the struggle is real. But as long as we're living, as long as we're breathing, we're going to show up on the battlefield and we are going to fight the good fight of faith okay let me tell you I wrote this down right here we are not willing as your shepherds we are not willing to watch you or comfortably allow you I mean we can't control you but we're not going to comfortably let you under our watch settle in to your dysfunction. Settle in with your idiosyncrasies. Settle in to just your moods or just settle in to your, I put it like this, your stubborn, immovable, this is just who I am ways. I mean, that's the stuff we're going we're gonna to deal with. The stuff that has become resistant to the Holy Spirit inside of you so it is a battle it is hard but we are not as long as we're living and breathing I'm asking you to make this promise that you're going to show up and you're going to fight yourself you are going to fight the good fight of faith you are going to fight your habits you're going to fight your curses you're going to fight your victim mentality excuses you're going to fight your default mode all of that Somebody say, it's a battle. It's a battle. So the journey to continually better is certainly a battle. And whether or not it's going to be easy is not going to come up in this series. Let's just establish it right now. It's hard. It's hard. Continually better is hard. Living for Jesus Christ is hard. Uh, put that easy button up there for me, if you will, Brother Bill. All right. We are not pastors that are going to pass out an easy button. When you come to church, we're not going to give you earplugs and an easy button and uh, a doodle pad. We're not. We're not. We're not going to um, help you quit. We're not going to help you. We're not going to tuck you in to your spiritual bed so you can pull the cover up over your head and say, if I can just breathe until I die. That's not the pastors that you, you got to go find another church because that's not what God has called us to do. I put right here, we don't feel the Lord calling us to offer you the easy button of quitting and just doing your best to be comfortable in your dysfunction. We don't feel the Lord calling us to tuck you into your spiritual bed like I just said so you can slumber your time here on earth away. 
We're not passing out numbing medicine, and we're not just trying to keep you comfortable until you die. We're not planning to let you forfeit just because the odds are stacked against you. In fact, we're not even asking you if the odds are stacked against you because that has no bearing in whether or not you win this battle. We're not even going to let you forfeit if you feel like all of your team didn't show up. Mama wasn't there. Daddy wasn't there. You didn't have a full team. And the opposition is a stacked team. We're going to tell you, get up and fight. We're not passing the easy button out to you. If the Lord's going to preach to me, y'all better show up for me to get to share it with y'all. Because misery likes company. I ain't going through this series all by myself. You hear me? <laughs> this church better not get smaller in this series. <laughs> I will come find you. <laughs> okay? So we're not pastors um, with an easy button mentality. Instead, we feel called to remove even the thought that that exists. And we're going to put this before you. You can, you can go to the next picture. This is the pastors that we feel like God has called us to be. We're going to tell you that every one of you have two hard roads to choose from. You've got two roads ahead. That is it. You cannot keep walking the way you've been walking because it doesn't exist anymore. Tonight, choose this day whom you're going to serve. As for Covenant Church, we're going to serve the Lord, okay? So we're here to tell you you've got two roads ahead. And guess what? They're hard roads. The enemy is throwing up a billboard to the left that says you can live it up this way. And he'll pass out easy button after easy button after easy button. And he makes you think if you want to live it up, if you want to live life to the fullest, you go this way. But what he fails to tell you is that that road is not easy. That road is full of self-disappointment. That road is full of inner turmoil. That road is full of you living it up at the expense of others around you. That road is full of a wake, if you're a boat, with destruction in your wake, okay? That road is full of addiction. It's full of loss, agony, turmoil, and pain. And the very worst, but very true um, reality is that that road ends in eternal damnation. We've got to talk about hell probably a little more. Hell is not manipulative. Hell is real. And so a lot of times, a lot of times, if we don't know the real danger of something, then we don't stay away from it. And if we as pastors don't teach you the real danger of your actions, then you will not turn away from them. So the journey is not an easy one. So let's go to the road to the right. The other road is this. Jesus is not interested in getting anybody to sign up with him 
he's he's not going to do like the enemy. He's not going to offer you. I mean, he's like straight to the point. He's not going to try to trick you into heaven. I lo- I love to say this, and I could I find my husband and myself always saying these same lines, and um, I, I do it too. And and you y'all could tell us what our our little one liners are that we always say, and and our idiosyncrasies. And this is probably. Um, one of mine. Nobody's going to get to heaven and say, he made me come here. I mean, nobody's going to get there and say, God, you tricked me to get in here. No, nobody's going to do that. If you end up in heaven, you got their own purpose. And so he's not trying to get you to sign up to follow him. And then when you follow him, he's going to be like, I gotcha. No, instead he's saying, hey, just so you'll know this road with me, I mean, it leads to death. And not only does it lead to death, it starts with death. This road starts with death. So let's talk, let's talk real truth. You've got two hard roads ahead. Everybody say amen. Do you see that? Let me speak truth. You've got both roads involve death. One is just death later. And one is death now for life right after death. Let me give you scripture. What, what, am, what am I saying? Like, Pastor, you're saying some weird stuff. Hey, at least I'm not preaching the part where Jesus said, you're going to eat my flesh and drink my blood. <laughs> I'll leave that part to Jesus. <laughs> he did say that. And a lot of people turned around and walked away after that. So he does say this. He's, he's just going to be real with you. If you desire, this is in Luke 9, verse 23. He says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him right off the bat deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. That's the road to the left that says live it up. You desire to save your life? And you follow the enemy to live it up. What does Jesus say? Hey, guess what? You're going to lose it. But let me just get real with you, he says. If you are willing to lose your life for my sake, you will save it. So everybody say both roads are hard. Both roads involve death. So if you're looking for a church where you can avoid a hard road and avoid death, you're never going to find a real church, okay? And the Lord showed me this many, many, many years ago. I was in my 20s, and, and I had this little, it was my first little Bible study, and, I, and my mom knows probably, I'm not even going to say it because I said it so much. I said it a lifetime worth when I was 20. So I'm not even going to say it because... It's embarrassing as as much. I just thought it was the only curriculum in the world. But I was hearing from the Lord. I was beginning to hear from the Lord. And and one of the lessons of that that series was um, how, how did I say it? Something like you can't avoid pain. You can't you can't avoid pain. So you either deal with the pain and face it now. So you can live in freedom eternally or you keep kicking that pain down the road and then you're going to have eternal pain. So I said it like this. Pain is inevitable. Okay. It's unescapable. You can't escape pain. It's better to go ahead and just deal with it now. Crucify that flesh 
tell yourself, uh-uh, I ain't, I ain't spending 30 more years doing things my way and watching it fail. I'm going to go ahead and just bite the bullet now. I'm going to crucify my flesh now, and I'm going to follow Jesus because the quicker that I crucify my flesh, the quicker I get to abundant life. Okay, he came to give us life that is abundant life, and it's superior in quality. But look what he teaches us here. Uh, Luke 14 and 33. He says, likewise, whoever of you, I'll give him time so everybody can see it. Luke 14 and 33. Whoever of you does not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. So now put those two roads back up, if, if you will, Brother, Brother Bill. So now do you see what we're saying there? You want to live it up and you want to follow things your way. Feel free. You're going to take a road. You're going to take the road to the left, but it's not easy. He may be passing out easy buttons and quit buttons and forfeit buttons all along the way, but it's not an easy road. The road to the right does involve death. It involves the death of your will, which we're going to talk about tonight, in order to walk in God's will. Jesus said this, Luke 9, 25. Keep those roads up there, if you will, and, and I'll just read it. For look at those two roads and, and see yourself as the man with the briefcase. And hear Jesus saying this. For what profit is it to you if you gain the whole world and you live it up, and you yourself are destroyed or lost. What did you profit? Paul says it this way, Romans 8 and 18. Keep the roads up there if you will. Paul says it this way, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time, I consider that the sufferings of this present road I am on, which is the road following Jesus, he said, I consider, that means I take the time to recognize that, that the suffering I have on the hard road of following Jesus is not worthy to be compared with the glory that's going to be revealed. That's Romans 8 and 18. You need to learn that scripture. You've got to remember that the road the road is hard, but there is one road that is not worth it, and there is another road that is well worth it. I want you to ask yourself the question, do you wake up every morning looking for an easy road? Um, I think right at about a year ago, I... I um, felt the Lord give me this acronym for the will, W-I-L-L. Um, and it, it is this. It's, if you want to write on your paper or put in your notes, W, and then on the next line put I, and then the next line L, and the next line L. What you, your will is what you want. Everybody say, what I want. Okay? My will is what I intend on. That's the I. It's what I intend on. The L is my will is what I love. And the other L is what I long for. 
So when I talk about your will, it's what you want, what you intend on, what you love, and what you long for. But then God has a will for your life. And what is that? It's what he wants for you. It's what he intends on for you. It's what he loves for you and what he longs for you to have. So the oxymoron here is that the abundant life Christ came to give us comes only after death. Makes no sense. You came to give me life, but you're requiring that I die first. No, he's not requiring that you quit breathing. And a lot of times people believe you've got to quit breathing in order to finally start living, meaning you're going to just struggle through life and won't we be happy over yonder? No. If you'll just bite the bullet, get control of your will right now, you can be happy. You can have heaven on earth. Okay? So I'm not preaching that you got to quit breathing in order to go to heaven. I'm saying you got to just crucify that stubborn, strong-willed self inside of you so you can have life actually worth living today. Does that make sense, Mom? Am I making sense, or does it seem like I'm trying to tell everybody to die? Okay. Don't go home and take some pills saying, Pastor Bree told me to die. <laughs> don't go home. I'm not saying that. That's not the die I'm talking about. It's very important that people understand exactly what I'm saying. It's very important. The death of your flesh, your sinful nature. Physical death, I put right here, no. I didn't want anybody to call us uh, Jimmy Jones. <laughs> hey, we did. <laughs> I, want, I want everybody on live stream to hear this. <laughs> We were going to have Kenneth set up a Kool-Aid stand and ask people to come drink our Kool-Aid. <laughs> he did lemonade instead. <laughs> come drink the Covenant Church Kool-Aid. <laughs> we have an outreach department and we're trying to get everybody to drink our Kool-Aid. Oh, we are not a cult. We, we absolutely do not look in your windows and even if people tattle on us, on, on you, we don't really pay attention. We let you live your life. So, physical death, no. The crucifixion of our fleshly, sinful nature, yes. How many of you want to live a life that's actually worth living? Yeah. John chapter 12, verse 23 says, But Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come. That the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, now look what Jesus is saying. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. So he who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. So a seed, the outer shell, the hardened part of that seed has to die. So the value of the seed can spring forth. Your hardened will needs to crumble 
So the value on the inside of you, which is abundant life, the God-breathed part of you can come to life. That's the death we're talking about. All right, everybody say this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Now say this together. Your will be done. Okay, everybody say, your will be done. Now, he put a prepositional phrase in there. He didn't just say, your will be done in heaven. Your will be done in earth. That means, how is his will done? Through your life, once you go to heaven, no, Sherry, through your life here on earth, okay? All right, so let's move in. All of that was the intro. Lesson one, here we go. Tonight's lesson is this, the battle of the wills. The battle of the wills. I have found that strong, immovable, stubborn wills dwell just fine in the house of God. I have found that strong, immovable Kenneth, ready for an altar call right now. Somebody come. Kenneth needs to pray right now. <laughs> strong, immovable, stubborn wills live just fine, untouched in the presence of God. I intend to grab this elbow and find that strong, stubborn will and get on that knot until you are so irritated enough that you breathe through it and you let it break. Somebody say, let it break. We have a strong desire to stay unchanged. We can say all day long, I want to change, I want to change, I want to change. But there is something deep inside of every human being that doesn't want to change. We have a battlefront ahead of us, ahead of us who live for God, that is called the battle of the wills. So that's the first battle that we're going to discuss on our journey to getting continually better. Your will is actually what's standing in the way of you getting better. It's not, it's, it's not deliverance. It's not the devil anymore. You've had enough opportunity to get delivered. It, it's your will. I know I said that a year ago, <clears throat> but it's time to say it again. So we have a, and Jaron approved me saying this. I asked him today. We have a will that's hell-bent. He said it was okay to say that. We have a will that's hell-bent on getting what we want, what we intend on, what we love, and what we long for. But our will is not the only will that's involved here. God has a will. Lexi did not know what I was going to teach tonight when she said that. She had no idea. God has a will, and he's showing up on the battlefield too. He has a will that consists of what he wants, what he intends on, what he loves, and what he longs for. Let's look at some of God's, uh, some scriptures that tell us what God's will is, what God wants. The first thing that I'm going to pull out that God wants is God wants to give you a future, and he wants to give you hope. Jeremiah 29, 11. He said, I know the thoughts I have for you, thoughts of peace and not of evil 
I want to give you a future and a hope. The second one I'm going to talk about is he wants for all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. He doesn't say, um, and that scripture is going to be 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4. Notice, as I read this, he doesn't say most men. God gets disappointed every day because he desires all men to come to a knowledge of the truth. When you believe a lie about yourself, God's will is not being accomplished. When you believe the lies of the culture, God's will is not being accomplished. Therefore, I exhort, I want to I tell you, I am, I am stirred up. My sister texted me on Monday, Christina McIntyre, and she works at the public school. She said, Bree, I, she says, sissy, she calls me sissy. She says, sissy, I have got to have your prayers. She said it was so bad, and I'm not going to tell what school or what age or anything. It, she said it was so bad that me and another teacher and the principal and the counselor could not get all the kids under control. And she said the new rule is that we can't put kids in timeout. So kids show up in charge. Listen to me. If you're raising your kids to believe they're in charge, you are handicapping them. God did not give kids to parents. He gave parents to kids. Okay? He gave you, you think that that child is your blessing? No, that child is God's. He gave that child parents. Okay, so you walk around saying, I'll take you into this world. I brought you into this world. I'll take you out. No, you did not bring them into this world. You did not bring them into this world. So let me, let me slow it down because I think I, hit a, I think I hit a nerve. God did not give you those kids. They're his. But he gave them you to protect them. If you abuse them, you're abusing his child. If you don't train them, you're neglecting his prized possession. If you don't feed them, if you, if you take care of yourself and not them, that's his possession. They're not yours. I'll say it one more time because it's controversial. God did not give you those children. He gave children parents. Otherwise, he would put children on the earth to raise themself, themselves if that was his plan. He gave he gave children parents because children don't know everything. They're not wise enough. They're not smart enough. They're too pliable. So when you have a child and you let your child call the shots in the family, you're handicapping that child. If you don't teach your child, this is not in my notes, but if you don't teach your child how to take no for an answer, then you're training your child how to have a breakdown when they're 30. If you don't teach your child how to handle self-disappointment, then you're teaching your child how to break when they don't get their way. See, we need to teach them the hard lessons in a safe environment. So I teach Jaron no while he's young enough to pitch a fit in my home rather than not training him and letting him go into fire academy and then somebody tell him no and him throw himself on the floor and pitch a fit then. 
Hey, whose fault would that be? Not his. That's my fault. So if you send your kids to Sunday school and you expect your kids to get to do anything they want to do in that class and you're offended because we get on to them for misbehaving, your home's out of order. Children were not designed to be in charge. They were designed to be stewarded. And when you finish with that child, you literally present that child, precious baby Cooper, he's so perfect. And Hazel is so perfect. And look at this darling baby. But what we're doing is we have to understand Jaren's 18 years old. And you know what Jeremy and I just had to do? Here you go, God. Oh, God, I hope we, I hope we produced in him everything that you placed in him. Because he's not mine. He's God's. That felt like a nerve a little bit. But he desires for all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So our school systems are out of control. If the kids are in charge of the classroom, just know. You better check and see what your kids are learning. Because if the teachers are not in charge then there's no telling what your children are learning. And here's the sad thing. The teachers can't be in charge. But I told Christina McIntyre, that is not what we teach at Covenant Church. I said, you walk into that classroom and under your breath, you command the kingdom of God to come into that classroom. And I said, what is the kingdom of God? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So whoever has Chrissy as a teacher is blessed because when she shows up in the morning, those kids get an opportunity for joy. Those kids get an opportunity for peace. Those kids get an opportunity for a leader that can give them some righteousness because your kids are not happy when they're not living right so he says first timothy 2 and 1 that was not in my notes oh father i hope i did not displease you lord i was fired up monday when she texted me that 1 Timothy 2 and 1. Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. I had to read that to get to this part. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Now let's all read the next one together. Who desires God? God who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. How much all is all? Yeah, that's God's will. The third thing that I'm going to point out in God's will, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. It is his will for his children to always rejoice, to pray without ceasing, and to give thanks in everything. That says rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And just so you'll know, that looks completely impossible to do it without the, the power of Jesus Christ. Carry on. Um, 1 Thessalonians 4 and 3. I'm going to amp it up. Y'all can write these down and read them at home. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 3 through 8. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. We will preach that. 
And we will, in this lesson, Lord willing, we will bring the kids up that are in high school, and we will teach them that homosexuality is not okay. It's not okay. We love, we love every single person that is battling that. Just like we love every teenage girl that is walking in promiscuity. But it is just, it, it is no more okay. Homosexuality is no more okay than a little girl living in promiscuity. It's the same. We have to learn how to teach this is the will of God for our sanctification that we should abstain from sexual immorality. We as a church will love them right into freedom. We won't slap their hands. We won't hurt them. But neither will we help them live in, in the torment of the enemy. We will love them, lead them to deliverance and freedom. And you know what? I want to make this clear. Do not ever talk bad about somebody struggling with homosexuality if you're having sex outside of marriage. Do not ever talk bad about somebody struggling with homosexuality if you're chatting with another person that you're not married to on Facebook. It's all the same. If you're committing adultery, don't you talk about a homosexual. It's all the same. It's all wrong. All right, it is his will, 2 Peter 3 and 9, for all, everybody say all, to come to repentance. All, even the people that sit on the pew every Sunday and every Wednesday unchanged, you're keeping God from having his will. Micah 6 and 8, he has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? but to do justly. He loves, his will is justice. To love mercy, his will is mercy. And to walk humbly with your God, he loves humility. So my conclusion. I don't. As I close this lesson on battle of the wills, I, I want to finish like right now so everybody can have time to search their heart. As I close this lesson on battle of the wills, I want you to identify the following struggle. House lights can go down. The struggle between what you want to do and what you know to do. The struggle between what you want to do and what you know to do. We don't categorize sin. Here's what sin is. James 4 and 17, him who knows to do good and doesn't do it. That's sin. So let's talk about the real struggle here is the battle of the wills because you know what to do. You really don't even need us to tell you what to do. It's just you've got, you got to decide whether or not you're going to do it. Chances are I haven't told you anything you don't already know. My whole goal is just to inspire you enough to bridge the gap between hearing and doing. Hope to close the gap between hearing and doing. 
Paul talks about it in Romans. It's a very popular passage of scripture, Romans 7, 15 through 25. And he's like, I don't do what I want to do. And I, and I do what I don't want to do. And it, it, it's like my will. He says, I will what I will to do that I don't do. And what I will not to do that I do. In other words, he's saying, I keep doing the things I don't want to do. And I'm not doing the things I want to do. And my, I've got this battle. I've got this battle. Put that picture back up. But yeah, I've got this battle of, of my will and God will my will and God's will and I'm so sick of my will winning listen what Jesus showed me bow your heads if you will I know the struggle is real listen I know the struggle is real the struggle between the wills is real even Jesus experienced this struggle follow me here even he experienced this struggle, and you know what it did? It pushed him to an altar in the Garden of Gethsemane where the struggle was so intense that he bled, he, he sweated drops of blood. Here's what he told me to tell you tonight. After him reminding us of how real his struggle was between his fleshly will and the Father's will, and it pushing him to an altar where he battled it out. After hearing that, how can we present the case of, but it's just so hard, God. But it's just so hard. Pastor, you don't understand. It's just so hard to overcome. It's just so hard. It's just so hard. I know. Jesus says, I know. I sweated blood. I know how hard it is. But it's a battle that you can't afford to lose. And I feel like he told me to tell you. He battled it out at an altar in the Garden of Gethsemane. And the Father's will won. And you can battle it out at an altar. And let the Father win. Dave, I'm going to ask you to sing. And I'm going to open these altars. Here's your garden of Gethsemane. Not my will, but thine be done. I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. Take me back to where we started. 
work in your life right now. Let him work in your life. Make that will surrender. I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment. Crucify, crucify that flesh, crucify that, that flesh. Caught up in your presence, I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment. Never Before you, before you miss this, our pastor is going to speak to us, and it's going to make sense to you, okay? What I feel very strongly right now is there's, I just thought of it when I, when I began to look at some of these strong men up here. The only way that a muscle fiber is going to get stronger Men that work out, they, they want to get bigger. They want to have more muscle. And if you want to get those muscles bigger, the only way it's going to happen is it has to be broken down. It is broken. So many of you here tonight, women included, you feel like you're so, so spiritually strong, but you're very, very weak because you will not allow, you will not allow yourself to be broken. I won't allow a tear. I will fight a tear. I will fight brokenness. Guess what? Welcome to being weak, spiritually weak, for the rest of your life until you allow yourself to be broken. Being broken in the gym hurts. Being consistently, this man right here, if you'd have seen him five years ago, you, you don't even recognize his bodily form right now because of consistently being broken, consistently being torn down, physically torn, broken, sweating, hurting. And I'm telling you, spiritually speaking, it's no different. And if you will not allow yourself, if you will not commit to being broken, if you will not allow yourself to be broken Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, every day of the week, just consistently working, 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 I don't see the results. You're not putting in the work. 
And if you don't break, it will never build. A muscle gets bigger by the day because it's broken and it builds back a tiny bit stronger. Very minute, small steps. Well, I'm not seeing the results. I'm not everything I want to be. I'm not the man I want to be. You haven't been broken in weeks and weeks and years and years. You come to church. You sit on a pew. You fold up. You cross your arms. You walk around. You pace around. You don't cry. You're not touched. You're a woman. You're not touched. Whoever. And if you will not allow yourself to be broken... And if you say, well, I can't, I just don't feel God, well, then you need to really, really, really even consistently pray and seek God even fervently and more and more and harder and harder. It's a dangerous. Let's pray that. At a, she said, why don't you let us pray that as a church? We have got to be a praying church that is sensitive, very, very sensitive to the Spirit of God. And if that is not you, then you pray sincerely. Say, Lord, open my heart. Open my emotions that I can be sensitive, that I can be broken before God, that I can know that I am a man that has sinned. And I need to say, Lord, I am sorry. I need to tell my wife, I am sorry. My children, I am sorry. And let's be broken and let's be knowing there's nothing wrong with being broken because you're going to come back the next day a little bit stronger. And there's nothing wrong with being broken again because you're going to come back stronger. And that muscle fiber builds back stronger and stronger. You can lift more and more and more and the strength and the strength and the strength. You may look at some and you say, man, that dude, he's crying at the altar all the time. What's wrong with him? He seems like he's just... No, he's extremely strong spiritually. So don't look at it as weakness. That man, that woman is extremely strong because they allow themselves to be broken. I want you to lead us in a prayer. Right. Why don't everybody that feels comfortable right now just lift your hands. Father, we ask that you would come and that you would break the hard outer shell in our lives that is keeping the valuable thing inside of us from being able to come to life. Let the hardness break in the name of Jesus. We are willing in your presence to open our hearts. So I bind all the spirits of fear, all the spirits of pride, all the spirits of intimidation. We bind all the spirits of religion. We bind every sneaky spirit that keeps people from being broken because they're hiding things. We call it to the light right now in the name of Jesus. And we say, Holy Spirit, come and break us so that you can shine through us and so that you can rebuild us. In Jesus' name, Dave, I just want you to sing it. I'm, I am going to ask, please honor me. Please don't, please don't talk in the sanctuary. Please just carry on. If you want to leave, you can leave. But let people, let people come into the place of brokenness that they need. Time out, time out. We do this all the time. If you want to leave, you can leave. If you want to leave, you can leave. It's time to pray. Do not leave out of here until 814 minimum. 10 minutes. I'm asking 10 minutes. Seek the face of God. Now, let's quit playing games. Quit coming to church and just doing church. We say it all the time. You, we leave, just leave. Just leave. Just leave. Just leave empty. Just leave empty. Just leave. Just, just, just be pathetic. Just, just deal with it. 
It's time to change. My goodness, answer the call. God has been leading us in these sermons. Answer the call. It's time for something new. I have no idea what next sermon's going to be. I don't know. It, God just tells us what to preach, what to preach. It's time for something new. Answer the call. Get rid of the snails. It's time to get rid of the junk in your life. So no, don't just get up and leave. Pray. Seek the face of God. Turn around in your pew. Kneel down. Get up. Walk around. Raise your hands. He's going to sing a powerful, powerful song. And you know what the song says? It says, I'm sorry. Every one of us in here, I, me included, I put myself in this boat. I'm sorry for just going through the motions. I'm sorry for being just a volunteer leader. I come to church. I work my butt off. I, I do so much work around this church. I hammer. I nail. I run the youth ministry. I do. I work. I work. I work. But I'm sorry for just going through the motions. It's no. I play this. I play these drums. Right, look at this. I play these drums. I play these drums. Congratulations on being a good drummer and being able to keep a good beat. Now be broken before the Lord and say, I'm sorry for just going through the motions. I talk too much. It just bumped it to 816. We're going to give 10 minutes to God right now. We're going to say, God, I'm sorry for going through the motions. Let's do it. We need to pray right now. We need to seek the face of God because we got to be ready for the hard cases that are coming. In the name of Jesus, Father, move right now. In the name of Jesus. I'm sorry when I've just gone through the motions. I'm sorry when I just sing another song. Take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you.
so much. Give it to him right now in your worship. Give it right now to him in your praise. Jesus, you don't owe us anything. We owe you everything. I'm sorry. Father, right now we repent. We repent. In Jesus' name, we repent. Father, forgive us. Every leader that's in this sanctuary right now, every volunteer worker, begin to repent right now because we have been caught up in doing the work and we have not been following after the face of God. And it has been evident in some of you. So just repent. It's okay. We can get, God can get us back in a moment. So just begin to repent. It's so simple. We just repent. Father, I'm sorry. He's singing it right now. He's singing it. Take me back. I repent, Lord. I'm so sorry. That's it, Dave. Sing it. Sing along with him. Pray the song. Pray the song with him. Pray it. Pray it. be at your feet. Lord, I want to be caught up in this holy moment. Just pray the words with him. Just pray it. Let's pray in unity together as a church. Let's pray together in unity. We'll pray this, pray the words of this song. Pray it. each and every one of you for listening to the to the word of God that has been given to you tonight that has been given given to us tonight thank you Lord that you stir us up thank you Lord that you stir my son up thank you Lord that you stir my one of my best friends up right here nobody is above a move of God nobody the pastor the pastor's wife, the pastor's son, a pastor's friend, a lifelong friend. An older than me gentleman in the back. A young adolescent person on the front. We're all souls who have got to realize that we have got to give God everything. We cannot be going through the motions of church it's a core group here right now we don't have 300 people here in the sanctuary but I'm telling you I've got a, a quote that I, I, wrote, I wrote on the board at work and it says it doesn't, it's not spiritual but it says confidence is contagious and it also says lack of confidence is contagious I will say spiritual strength is contagious well also a lack of spiritual strength is contagious so I need every one of you to be very, very much on board with being spiritually strong. In the name of Jesus, we have got to be spiritually strong, not only for yourself and for your own family, because it's contagious. And if you are weak spiritually, it is so contagious 
it will just rub off on the next person and your smart aleck attitude and your way that you talk and your business-like mentality and you don't have love. What did the Bible say? The greatest of these is love. From the time somebody walks on our parking lot to the time they get in their car and leave, I want them feeling nothing but love, love, love because they have felt so much hate and despise and rejection from the world and they need love. So we will love people till it hurts. We will love them when they don't smell right. We will love them when they don't look right. We will love them. We will love the unlovable, touch the untouchable, and reach the unreachable so that Jesus Christ will be exalted to his rightful place as Lord and Savior in the hearts of all mankind. It's the motto. It's on the wall outside. Remember it and learn it. Put it in your heart. God bless each and every one of you. I know that you have latched onto this tonight. It has stirred me up. I know it's stirring you up. We have got to be continually better, and tonight was just continually better. Thank you. You did a great job. I want to thank Davey for being led by the Spirit and singing from his heart. I want to give him a great round of applause because he does such a great job. Thank you, each and every one of you that were here tonight, as you are going to be continually better. And don't get caught up in the work. Get caught up in the love of God. Get caught up in the love of God. We are going to reach this world. Go outside and look at the new growth that's going on. There's concrete getting poured tomorrow. So praise God for that. You got anything? God bless you. We love